0: Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, if you would, and if you have them with you, and if you don't, there's Bibles right there in the pew. So take your Bible and open up to... Where are we going? The Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 9, if you would, tonight. Mark chapter number 9. our study tonight... Remember that we are studying together through this entire book of Mark. And our study tonight picks up kind of right in the middle, if you will, of a brief but a very focused time of Jesus teaching his disciples. And he's teaching them uh, absent of the typical multitudes of people that generally gather When Jesus was teaching. Now as we saw last week. This particular time. Was set aside by Jesus himself. As it was important. To be able to speak openly. With his disciples. And his disciples with him. Now as you may recall. From our previous study. Jesus was teaching. Some foundational truths. That. Any disciple of Christ ought to carefully and diligently and scripturally build upon as they minister. Now these disciples, you'll recall, had already been ordained. They had been sent out to minister and to preach and to teach. So it might seem odd, I suppose, to some degree, that Jesus would gather them together all by themselves together, and once again teach some of the basic truth about who he is and what he would shortly encounter. But the lesson, if you remember from last week, or it's just the previous section of text from tonight, but the lesson was more about his unconditional love toward all who would receive it. It is that love toward others... That should be also our guide and our mainstay as we seek to serve and to please our Savior out of our love for him. And as we minister into the lives of others. Now just as these disciples were growing in their faith. And I have to believe that we also are growing in our faith. Through the experiences And through the trials and the successes and even the difficult situations that God allows, there is always a need for us and for the disciples to check up. There's always a need to check where we are, how we're doing, based on the Word of God. To check up and make sure that what we are building on that foundation that Christ laid is right and it's enduring, and it's God-honoring. Isn't that exactly what the Apostle Paul exhorted us in First Corinthians chapter three, when we're told in verse 10, "But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon." We're familiar with that passage. And it goes on in that chapter, in verses 14 and 15, Paul writes, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now in our text tonight, in Mark Mark chapter 9, these disciples, just for context, would have already confessed that Jesus is the only one who, as Peter stated, and it's recorded in John chapter 6 and verse 68, Peter said that Jesus was the only one who hast the words of eternal life. And he said, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So they had already confessed this. That was their stance. And we're given a glimpse here in our text, Perhaps, maybe we're even given a reflection of our own position of how that belief in Christ could be used in a way that actually does not, in fact, honor Christ. What on earth is he talking about? He's gone off the deep end, Pastor. Get him out. No, hold on. Jesus continues his focused teaching. To help these disciples and, frankly, help all of us and all who receive the words of Christ learn the right perspective to keep and to guard and to hold fast as they ministered in Christ's name. So let's read it. Read along with me. Mark chapter 9, beginning, if you would, find your way to verse number 38. And we will finish out the chapter here tonight by the grace of God. Starting in verse number 38. And John, that's the apostle John, answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. But, there's that that word that pastor loves so much. But, only, only this time it's in a good way. But Jesus said, Forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed, than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life, than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And in verse 47, If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we look to this message tonight, message titled, Gaining the Right Personal Perspective, God in heaven, I would ask that your Holy Spirit would fill each and every one that's here tonight that hears this message, whether tonight or whether later on when it's downloaded or listened to uh, through a digital uh, media. Father... We need the Holy Spirit to open our understanding, to open our hearts, and to change us into that vessel that you will be pleased with. Lord, it doesn't matter how long we may have been saved, we are still fallible and we're human and we make mistakes. Oh God, help us tonight. May your will be accomplished. May your words speak loud and clearly. May the Holy Spirit of God lift up the name of Jesus Christ tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I didn't give you a three-point outline, and that's okay. But there's kind of three sections, but we'll see what happens. At this point in the conversation, remember that this whole second half of chapter number 9 in Mark, Jesus had taken the apostles, he had made sure that there were no multitudes, and he had started teaching them these foundational truths. At this point in the conversation between Jesus and the twelve, remember back in verse 35, Jesus called the twelve and sat down and was teaching them specifically. John here speaks up and he makes a statement that he kind of ascribes to the whole group or at very least to several of the group of disciples as he said we now perhaps his statement was made to try to show Jesus that they were ministering with great zeal based upon their professed belief in who Christ was And that they were showing others how they should believe in Jesus the same way that they did. Well, I believe that John here was completely sincere in his report thinking that perhaps Jesus might just be encouraged or even impressed By their stance and how strong they were standing. And he said, we forbade him because he followed not us. He wasn't doing the things the same way we do. We've been with you, Jesus, so we know the right way. They were not, so we forbade them. Again, in verse number 38, read it right there. He says, and John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, or forbade him, however you prefer to pronounce it, because he followeth not us. Now, I wonder. I wonder, Christian, whether we ever get that way, like John was here. How often, Christian, do we self-ascend to some position of believing that we are completely just in how we act or think or talk about what others might be doing. And we kind of look down our noses a little bit at what's being done and we might say, in the name of Jesus, because they don't do it like we do it and we're the ones that are right. How often do we act just exactly like John did right here? God, you'd be so happy with me. God, you'd be so impressed with me. Look what I did today. I said, hey, you're not doing that right. Do it like we do. And you see what Jesus said here? He said, "Uh -uh. uh uh-uh, don't do that. We dismiss any value of what others might be doing in the name of Jesus because the ones that are doing those work aren't part of our group. Now, I promise you, I understand that this is an uncomfortable thought. But isn't that what Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 is all about? We sang the song. The Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. I would rather that the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God would make me uncomfortable here, right here in the place where we can get it right between us and God first before we go out there and are called on our... Oh boy, I thought you were a Christian. That doesn't sound like how a Christian ought to act. I would so much rather the Holy Spirit of God speak to me here and make me uncomfortable with how I'm acting right here so that I can get it right before I go out there and really make a mess of things. Because when I get out there, it just might show up in the presence of an unsaved soul and I unwittingly bring reproach Upon the very name of Christ whom I claim to serve. Be honest before the Lord. Oh, may the Lord help us tonight. Be honest before the Lord because guess what? He knows the truth anyway. Have we been like that? Okay, Lord, you're right. John was honest. He didn't try to cover it up. He was completely honest before the Lord, thinking that maybe he was doing a good thing. But the Savior, look what happened. The Savior so graciously spoke the truth in love, correcting his perspective. Look what it says in verse 39 and 40. John, of course, said in verse 38, We forbade him because he followeth not us. Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. Now, if we don't add to the word of God, but if we read and understand what Jesus is saying there, he's saying there, even if they don't do it exactly like you do. What then is this account revealing to us? Is it not revealing that God just may work through others in ways that are different than how he may work in and through me or you? How God chooses to work does not and cannot have our understanding or approval. He doesn't need it. Because guess what? We also are sinners saved by the grace of God. With only a partial understanding of how God works. The Bible tells us that right now we see in a glass darkly. We know in part. We understand in part. Come that day, then we will know as we are known. But right now, we don't have that understanding. What we have is how God has taught us. What others have is how God may be teaching them and using them. We have no place to interject ourselves and correct what they might be doing. Now, I will grant that if there is someone that is speaking absolutely in opposition to the Word of God, then yes, In love and in truth, we need to speak the truth, but not to condemn them. Simply speak the truth. What they have done, what God is going to hold them accountable for, is not our business. Jesus goes on to say in verse 41 in our text, for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Now, I have to believe that the, the premise there is that whosoever means whether they're saved or not. If they recognize that you are ministering in the Lord's name, and they say, hey, you know what, that was a great message. I don't necessarily believe it, but you know what? Hey, do you need some water, hun? Let me give you a cup of water. It's just a little illustration, and Jesus said they will not lose their reward for that. Because they're ministering to someone in the name of Christ. That doesn't grant them salvation. But it is added to their account. Now should we not rather rejoice in the fact that God is at work through others. Just as God might be at work in us. Paul exhorts us. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Let's turn over there for just a minute. We'll see it. Romans chapter 12. And I believe we need to see this straight out of the word of God. Okay, Acts, Romans, there it is. Right in between there. Come on. Romans chapter 12. Verse number 3. Paul records. For I say, through the grace given unto me that To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now what does that mean? That means whatever God is having you to do, do it with all your heart. Whatever God is having someone else to do, if they're doing it with all their heart, God's given them the measure of faith and God is teaching them, but God's also working with me. So pay attention to what I'm doing and am I doing it right? Am I doing what I'm doing based on the Word of God? If not, maybe I should check up on myself rather than being a busybody and and a nosy one to get into the business of somebody else. Boy, this is hurting tonight. I know. It hurt me to write it because it was smacking me in the face. I'm telling you. But this is the grace of God that tells us in the house of God that we can think about these things and we can get these things right with God. It is of paramount importance because... Jesus goes on in our text in verse 32. He goes on to teach in verse 42, rather, uh, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. You see, it's another exhortation, or or warning, if you will, against being a stumbling block in the faith-growing process of those who are, who are at a different spiritual place than what we might be we talked last week about that pure and simple childlike faith that we need to have and if someone else is ministering to one like that and we come along and interject and I don't know just start deriding what they're t- teaching that's a stumbling block for the one that God is working with through that other person he says don't offend them It'd be better for you that a millstone or hung about your neck to be cast into the sea. Stay out of their business. Tend to your own business. <laughs> Secondly tonight in this text, Jesus continues his teaching as he brings the conversation back to... Our own personal accountability. Look again. Let's read verses forty-three through forty-eight. Now, it seems like a long passage, but it's all one thought. He says, "If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands go into hell and the fire shall, uh, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched." And secondly, he said, verse forty-five: "If thy foot, if thy foot offend thee, cut it off." For it is better for thee to enter halt into life. And we can read those next two verses. Verse 47. If thine eye, thine eye, not someone else's, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Now here we find three distinct areas of discernment in which God expects us to be able to be true. By that, I mean that as children of the living God, there are areas in our own life that we should learn and know when things are not as God would have them to be. The same Apostle John, who spoke here in the beginning of our text later... Wrote these things to all believers as he was taught and given understanding. He said in 1 John chapter chapter 2 that we are to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, and here it is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. Jesus teaches it very directly right here. If thy hand offend thee. Christian, that is the lust of the flesh. The things that we do, the things that we choose to do, that's what that's talking about. If thy hand offend thee. And the word offend here in these verses is the Greek word, I think you're going to like this. The word offend here in the Greek is scandalizo. Oh, what does that sound like? That's exactly what that is. It's scandalous. It's offensive. And it means to entrap. It means to trip up. It means to entice one to sin. Notice how very personal this is in verse 43. If thy hand offend thee. Verse 45, if thy foot offend thee. And by the way, this this matter, if, if thy foot offend thee, this is that pride of life area. And what what do I mean by that? It is where we go. It's the direction that our life takes by our choices. Though some would argue, yeah, well, life took me in a direction that I didn't choose. Well, that may or may not be true, but can I tell you, we still make choices in that case. How we deal with the life. That's the pride of life. If thy foot offend thee. And then again in verse 47. If thine eye offend thee, which is, of course, the lust of the eyes, as John wrote in his epistle. Now, Jesus says... Whatever it is that is causing you and me to stumble in our spiritual growth, we need to remove those things from our life. Because it is so much better to be able to, what does Jesus say? Enter into life. Friends, that is life eternal with Christ. And that's life in this world of peace and of joy and of contentment. But if there's things that are working against it, get rid of those things. Cut it off. As opposed to not removing those things because we think we have it handled. It's okay, God, I'm in control of this. When really it's just a hindrance to having the faith that God wants us to have. Let me ask you something. We're all here in the state of Vermont. We've been through winters in Vermont. We know how icy and cold and nasty it gets outside. And when you're walking across the parking lot in the dead of winter and there's ice in the parking lot, how are you walking across the parking lot? You're just ganting and, and striding out there like it's summertime? No, you're, 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 you're taking a day. You're being careful. You're watching what's happening. And what happened? Boom. And you're just down just that quick. It's not because you weren't being careful. It's not because you weren't watching your step. It just happens. I'm sorry, ladies. (laughs) But do you get the point? We can watch what we're doing in our life. We can watch what we're doing in our ministry into others' lives. And it could just happen that fast that all of a sudden, we need to come back to the basics and get alone with God and say, God, help me with this. Because we don't intend to go the wrong direction, but it can happen just that fast. We don't have it handled. We don't have control of the slippery slope. When we hang on to those things, do you understand that we're trusting in them for our joy and fulfillment? Rather than trusting in Christ. And that only results into. What did the Bible say? Going into hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched. Moreover Jesus says. That these things will only bring eternal torment. In our life. On top of. Being eternally separated from peace. And the rest. And the glory of God. He said in each case. Where their worm dieth not. It's a different word than what we were talking about this morning. The worm. This is a maggot. This is that nasty little creature that eats the dead flesh. It gnaws on us. And the Bible says, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. The worm is not going to die. The worm is not going to get eaten up and and burnt up and all of that. The worm, the torment, is going to be forever. There is also an application for these apostles and for all of us who are saved or or will choose Christ before it's too late. That application is that our trust and confidence and faith cannot be in those characteristics, those traits, the abilities, or the talents that we may have been given. When we serve God, when we witness for Christ... It must be a witness unto Christ alone. Jesus Christ is the answer. Not in any work that He may enable us to do. Well, you know, I'm preaching a great message tonight. You should come and listen to it. No. You ought to come and hear what Jesus says. It's not in any particular group. And it's not, our confidence and our trust must not be in any other church denomination. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the fundamental independent Baptist churches aren't getting you to heaven. The message that they preach, Jesus Christ, will get you to heaven. It's not the denomination. It's not the group. It's not, well, I forbade him because he's not with us. Well, guess what? That kind of pride is going to get you some problems too, pal. You see, essentially, we could understand from this teaching that what others do to serve God and the way they do their service is theirs to give account. Not for us to give or to deny approval. Not to be honest. We have enough to do. We have enough to keep ourselves busy tending to these things in our own life so as to not be a hindrance to the work that God is trying to do in us and potentially through us. Verse 49 in our text goes on to tell us just that. Verse 49 says, For everyone shall be salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. What is that? In other words, we will all face the tests and the trials and the situations that are meant to try our faith and to show us where we need more strength Through Jesus Christ. Where we need to come and get on our knees before our Lord and say, God, I need you. Lord, I need your help. And he goes on, he says, every sacrifice. that Friends, that is everything that we do. Every word that we speak in his name, it will be, as 1 Corinthians 3.13 also tells us, made manifest. The Bible says, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And so thus if we put these together we understand every word and every deed our sacrifices, the things that we offer in service to God will be seasoned and preserved until that day of reckoning or if you want to call it that day of accounting. They'll be seasoned with salt. It's a preservative. They're going to be kept. And when we stand to give account, they aren't going to have been swept under, by the wayside. They're going to be pulled out and said, What about this? Oh, I forgot about that. Can we just not? Yet, yeah, no. We're going to give account. I'll close tonight actually with this final thought. Jesus taught when he preached what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He taught that we, believers especially, are the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. Now he reminds us, along with his apostles, right here in our text in verse number 50, read what it says Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will you season it? He says, have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. You see, we are the ones, believers, the children of God are the ones that God will use to season and to preserve His work in this life throughout our lives. But, he says, if we don't gain the right personal perspective as to how we execute what God's asking us to do on how we must conduct ourselves in his name if we don't gain the right perspective on how we represent Jesus in what we say, in what we do, and how we treat others around us then our seasoning is pointless and it's worth less He said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, If the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth from then on good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Is that how we want to represent our Savior? Is that how we want to represent our Redeemer? the one who's working in our lives, the disciples, the apostles, needed to regain the right personal perspective on their worthy service to Christ. And friends, Christians, I'll be at the front of the line who wants to follow in behind because we also need the grace of God to gain or to regain the same right perspective. When we pray, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Friends, we had best be ready for the answer, because we may not like it. And we had best be ready to act upon God's response as he reveals things to us gain the right perspective as Jesus taught. Pastor, would you close the service?
1: Well, the command is for us to go out and be salt. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I like salt. I like salt on my veggies. I like a little bit of salt on my steaks once in a while. Because it seasons it, doesn't it? And when we go out and we let other people know that we are Christians, that we belong to God, we belong to Christ, then we should be a enjoyable seasoning that they look at us and they say, wow, I've never met a genuine Christian like that before. And so let's go out and let's be salt. Father, we thank you for the sign that we can be together. As we go forth and, uh, Lord, we walk about in our community, Lord, our testimony will not be one that leaves a a disdain or a distastefulness in the mouths of others. Uh, We realize that not everybody's going to love us. Not everybody's going to love who we are and what we stand for. But, Lord, there are others out there who do appreciate the fact that there is a genuineness about our relationship and our walk with the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we go forth this week, may we be mindful that we are representatives of you. and We want them to taste of your goodness, to taste of your love, to taste of your grace and your compassion. And, Lord, they can experience that through us. So, Lord, help us to be the men and women that you'd have us to be. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.